In a former life, I was a touring musician. There were parts of it that I didn't like so much. The band politics, drunk crowds, the seemingly endless hill upwards towards success. But there was one part of it I loved more than anything. Performing. The long rides in the van, watching our mostly vacant American West pass by my window, like some 200-year-old landscape painting. And then setting up in another city, sound check, all the hours that led up to the small window of time when another loud bar would get a little quieter while we sang our songs. That sense that you were feeling the crowd, searching for connection in a room full of strangers, it was exhilarating. I have a special place in my heart for performers, like some of my old bandmates who are still on the road or trying to be. As a touring performer, travel and the stage, they become part of who you are, Tour was everything. You planned your year around it, your whole life, really. It would take something huge to cancel a few dates. And to cancel the whole thing, it would have to be a matter of life and death. Which, for everyone these days, it is. Chris Garcia's lifelong dream was to stand up in front of an audience of strangers in a different city each night and tell jokes. Because stand-up is my, my first love and it's my childhood dream. And he's been at it for a while, more than a decade. Lately, his career has been picking up. He started to make a name for himself. He's appeared on nationally televised late night shows. He writes for TV too. And like most hardworking people in entertainment, he has his routine. So my regular day would be, you know, I'd get up, maybe uh, go to a boxing class a couple times a week in the neighborhood to let off some steam and then go to um, Netflix, actually, which is about 15 minutes away from where I live here uh, on the east side of Los Angeles. Okay. And, uh, you know, just work on uh, stories and, and writing jokes all day and sometimes being on set. And, uh, you know, I'm a performer on the show every once in a while, so I'm in a couple episodes and I'll just pop in and deliver a wacky line, and then go back to writing. Chris had his routine when he was at home, but very often he'd also be on stage, doing what he loves more than anything, comedy. Chris performed in comedy clubs across Los Angeles multiple times a week. The spring was supposed to be huge for Chris. I was very excited to leave the writer's room and to be able to go on tour, finally. Chris had planned a major comedy tour that would take him all over the country. I've been wanting to do this since I was a little boy, you know? I was supposed to go to Austin and Milwaukee. Um, I was supposed to go up to Portland. And um, all of my shows have been canceled. The tour had been canceled. All tours of everything have been canceled. Music? Canceled. Theater? Canceled. Biden v. Sanders? Canceled. Chris may be in good company, but it's still devastating. And for a second last week, I kind of broke down crying, thinking that my entire livelihood and childhood dream was over. Um, I know that's not necessarily true, uh, and there are bigger things to worry about. Yeah. But uh, when, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 15 years, and um, it's just kind of finally started yeah. happening for me after, like, 12 years or so of obscurity to make a living for myself and to think that that is all going to become obsolete yeah. was, uh, you know, pretty frightening. And it is frightening still. No one will deny that. 
It's hard to tell what the lasting impact of the pandemic will be, at least right now. But Chris found a way to connect, even in these strange times. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. For Chris, losing his chance to go on tour was tough for lots of reasons. The money, the plans. It was the culmination of a lot of effort. But he also just needs comedy. It's how he copes. Yeah, I mean, tragedy is the bat signal of comedy. Uh, And so, uh, and it's how I process the world and how my, actually my family, um, I don't know anyone personally in my life who has suffered or overcome more than my mom and dad, you know? And at moments like this, this has given me a lot of strength because they lived in Cuba in the 60s and 70s, which was an economic and human rights disaster. But they're so strong to be able to overcome it and to still joke about it. Like, even this morning, I talked to my mom and she was like, not trusting the government and not having toilet paper. I've been doing this since first grade. Chris calls his mom the queen of gallows humor. He's been calling her a couple of times a day because she's on her own down in Torrance. And yesterday she said that she was convinced that my dad, who died three years ago, invented coronavirus so she couldn't go out and find a new husband. Uh, And so my mom is, she's 75. Uh, You know, this is probably scarier to her than, you know, she's, she's in a dangerous demographic and she is still just right. so funny. And I, I feel like it's just kind of in me or in my blood. It's where I come from. Honestly, it's it's weird for it to give me so much creative energy, but like I've just been writing a lot and thinking a lot of, um, of funny things. Um, and I think it really is yeah. um, as a tactic for survival. Writing as a means to survive right now. That's something I can relate to. I feel like, for me, this show is a way to do that. For Chris, he'd found a way to perform, to get those funny things out into the world in an unconventional way. He did one of his comedy sets on Instagram Live. Um, Other than that, I'm just hanging out, making sure my mom doesn't go out. My mom's a 75-year-old Latina lady. She wants to go to church real bad. Uh, She goes to church literally three or four times a week. Uh, she goes to like a Latino boogie down church. You know, those churches that's like, um, half party supply store. And the other half is also a party supply store. Like she goes to one of those and she, she plays the keyboard cat keyboard in the band. And, uh, she really wants to go to church. I told her she couldn't go. And finally she was like, okay, I won't, but how about McDonald's? So now she's trying to go to McDonald's. So now, instead of doing shows in Echo Park or Frogtown, Chris is doing stand-up from his phone in his house. For clubs across L.A., it's via Instagram Live. One of his shows is aptly named Comedy Quarantine. You know those people that are like, they got to do like 100 push-ups and 1,000 burpees every day or they feel nuts? Like, that's what stand-up is <laughs> for me. And he's all by himself, of course, except when you see his wife somewhere in the background. 
I'm a little scared. All of my tour dates have been canceled and I do stand up for a living. So I'm trying to like pivot and figure out other ways to make money. Uh, so I'm becoming a little bit of an entrepreneur. Um, I am selling, um, currently selling antibacterial Palo Santo. It's legit. I bought it from a white guy with dreadlocks on Venice Beach. <laughs> Um, it's not really antibacterial, but it does like protect you from like COVID adjacent vibes. So that's like pretty good. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. It's different because there's no crowd and there's no microphone and there's no stage, but there still is an audience and I am in the comfort of my home, which is weird and different, but also, uh, and, it, and it's limiting, but it also creates this whole new world that you could do comedy in, which, you know, I could like the other night, like, I'm like, oh, I'm in my house. I can show funny things in my house while we're all going nuts in our houses. How about I show you this oil painting I have of singer-songwriter Seal? And uh, how about I can, now I could finally articulate, uh, you know, my wife is six foot two. She's six inches taller than me. And I was like, oh, I can show <laughs> you guys how her, she has, like, her shoe size is, like, two or three sizes bigger than mine. And so here, take a look at our shoes. Uh, I've been staying inside uh, with my wife, who's uh, who's great. She's uh, six foot two. I'm uh, I'm not. I'm five foot Dinklage, so she is a lot taller. Uh, to show our disparity in size, uh, this is my hiking boot, and this is hers. Uh, this is uh, what we're working with here. Uh, when we go out, we look like unlikely animal friends. We look like a video of a giraffe and a baby koala just going on adventures Aww. wearing face masks at Trader Joe's. I know it's kind of like a carrot top approach, uh, this like in prop comedy, but um, it's been really fun to um, connect with people in this way. Because I think we're all kind of curious what each other's houses look like anyway and what our home situations yeah. are like. And uh and it adds this new layer to it, which makes it kind of fun. Also, if you're trying to, like, um, be stylish and, like, be safe when you go outside. I mean, we really shouldn't go outside, but if you need to go to the store and you don't have a mask, um, why wear just a regular plain mask and look like uh, you're just working in the shed or something in the backyard where you can wear this fucking bomb ass. You can wear this bomb ass. <laughs> a gizmo mask uh, from the... 80s movies. Chris gets muffled here because he's literally putting on a gizmo mask. It's ugly brown and white with huge eyes. Kind of looks like a Furby. In any case, most of us don't remember Gizmo from The Gremlins. It's a 1984 comedy horror film. I've uh, worn it once. I wore it to the store today. People stayed uh, six aisles away. They were six <laughs> aisles away. 
And so it's very effective. Uh, you can make people laugh. Oh, my friends are laughing. They're watching. That's fun. I was telling someone yesterday that on last Thursday, I really was so bummed out. One article and I'm toast, man. Like for three or four hours, I'm like locked in. And all of a sudden I'm looking at charts like I'm Jeff Goldblum in some sort of movie. <laughs> like I'm some sort of scientist or researcher. <laughs> and I go in such a dark place uh, and I had a set to do. And I was like, oh, I guess I got to do comedy now. And it just turned my life around. Like it, like it sounds so corny, but it just... Just to be able to connect with people, um, even through a phone, I, I've I've enjoyed every second of it. It's been really good for me. That's amazing, man. Like, I've never done stand-up, but I'm imagining a huge part of it is sort of like feeding off of the audience. And it just must feel so different to be just in front of your phone. How do you compare those two experiences? Um, yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's never going to be the same as being in front of people. And the energy is so different without having a, a crowd being able to give you the feedback to whether they like you or a joke landing or something. But I feel like it's almost doubled my energy because I'm like, I'm jumping in. I'm like, hey, everybody, how's it going? How is everybody? It's almost like <laughs> like some sort of Roberto <laughs> Benini and life is beautiful type of like, we're all going to be OK, everybody. Here we go. Um, I, I think I have a natural <laughs> cheerleader instinct in my life anyway, where I'm always rooting for my friends. And I feel that type of <laughs> kind of desperate need to be like, we're going to be OK. Uh even though I'm probably the most incapable person to help anyone on a desert island, I'm like, well, I will. I can make you laugh, hopefully, for most of five minutes. <laughs> and I remember seeing on social media after one of these performances, you talked about getting emotional after performing in this way, in this moment. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was last Thursday, that the night that I had a really tough time, and I was thinking about you know, reading all these terrible reports, all this bad news, and really thinking about how stand-up could be gone forever for me, and it's just not going to be a thing anymore, and I'm going to lose my livelihood, and my dream is over. And then I did this set, and it was just so cathartic that the moment I turned off my phone, I just, like, started weeping and, and walked over to the couch into my wife's arms and gave her a hug and a kiss because uh, I was just so grateful to be able to do it again. Like to be able to think that something's going to be gone forever yeah. and then you get a glimpse of it again. Uh, it just filled me with so much gratitude that I just was, I just lost it. And I was just so, I just felt so lucky. And uh, this is a wild comparison, but it would remind me of, you know, my dad um, had Alzheimer's and for the last 10 years of his life, he was in decline. And in the second half of it, he, he mostly didn't know who I was, but then there's be these little moments yeah. where he would recognize me, or I think he'd recognize me, who knows, but we'd have these moments of connection and that would just, just that two seconds of my me thinking of my dad remembering who I was just filled me up with so, so much joy that I want to hold on to that feeling and bottle it forever is how uh, that felt on Thursday. <laughs> like it felt like I was like, oh my gosh, you're not gone, stand-up. I had you for a brief second. Thank you so much. You know, like, uh, comedy is, like, 
very special to me. And uh, especially when things are sad, there's nothing, there's nothing better than a laugh. Like my friend Marcel Arguello is a very funny comedian on Twitter a couple weeks ago said, the best laugh is a laugh at a funeral. And it really is. (laughs) (laughs) So to be able to do that right now when everything is so dark and stark was just uh, very beautiful. And so I just let out the floodgates and and uh, was very uh, relieved and grateful to be able to do it even through a phone again. What advice would you have for people who are struggling right now, comics and not comics? Like, I would just say, I mean, I'm uh, easily uh, a cornball in these moments, but um, just try your best to have gratitude for the things that you do have and enjoy the small moments that are funny and alleviating to you. Just remember the the small things. Um, you know, Reggie Watts is a comedian that I love. Maybe like 10 years ago on Tumblr said, when in doubt, zoom out. And I still think about it all the time. <laughs> right now we feel like our, we're under attack and we don't know where this virus is coming from. We're weary of people walking down the street and it feels very intense. But if we just zoom out for a second, zoom out all the way into the stars and just kind of take a step back and distance ourselves and just take a breath and be like, okay, we're okay right now. Things could be okay. And let's not lose hope. That was a very rambly response. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. I feel inspired now, too. Um, Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for uh, thinking of me for this. Um, It's been very nice for me to connect with you even for a half an hour. So I appreciate that. A big thank you to Chris Garcia for sharing his story with us. You are awesome, Chris, and an inspiration to us all. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Today's episode was produced by Shara Morris, Joanna Clay, and Haley Fager, and me. It was edited by Catherine St. Louis and Vikram Patel. Our engineer is Mark Bush. Thanks to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear in this episode. Follow us on Twitter at Neon Hum Media. We really do want to stay connected to you during this unprecedented time, so don't be shy. Share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. If you have a story of life in isolation because of the coronavirus that you would like to share with us, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. See you on Friday. It sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy. I'm just a same. I do the same thing that Jeff Dunham does, okay? I am not a first responder or a doctor or a scientist. I am not a very useful member of society. So I know it sounds over the top to have these feelings, but it's just how I feel about it. I just love comedy. <laughs> <laughs>